So worry is kind of hyper-concern um, about potential troubles. The operative word there being potential troubles or not knowing the outcome of something. Worry is a state of time existing between the present, right now, and what we project will happen in the future. It's this state of time between now, it's a fork in the road, right? There's a fork of the low road, oh my gosh, what if this happened? And then there's the other road, which is usually nothing much more than that thing not happening. And it's kind of this looking at the road thinking, what if, what if I have to go down that road? And that is what worry is. It's like standing in the fork of a road. Worry is an obsession with that possibility. It's an obsession with that possibility. What if that thing happens? Oh my gosh. Worry is normal. Second thing is worry is normal. Meaning, human beings, you and me, our rationality is uniquely human. Animals don't worry. You know, if you throw your dog a steak, it's not as if he was outside worrying about whether or not he would get the steak or whether you'd throw him in the garage or beat him or whatever you do. <laughs> That's kind of foul, but... We, as humans, desire to know what's going to happen. It's ingrained in us. We want to know. That's why we were going to watch the Laker game this afternoon. And if we're a Celtics fan, we might be worried. That, or if we're a Lakers fan, we might be worried. That's why we watch suspense movies. Really, I'm, I'm serious. There's a sense in us that there's a part of us that just doesn't like to not know what's going to happen next. It's very deep and it's a very human thing. Human thing. In many of our conversations, when you think about it, when you speak with friends, it's about the economy, right? What's going to happen with the economy or the housing market, right? Or you know, like I said, sports or our job. I don't know what's going to happen. Many, how many of you speak to your friends? I really know what's going, I don't know what's going to happen, but dot, dot, dot. I mean, maybe half of all of our conversation is speculation about what might happen. It's a uniquely human thing because we do not like to not know. And secondly, our desire for happiness is, 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 is an enormously distinctive human quality. Someone once said, we are perhaps uniquely among the earth's creatures, the worrying animal. We worry away our lives. This is a unique part of who we are. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to be very real. We worry a lot. Point three, we don't, we don't really worry so much about good good possibilities. My sister um, was interviewing for this job this week, and she had been having this 
kind of ongoing interview for weeks and weeks, and she called me. She said, oh my gosh, I'm so, uh, but she, she didn't say I'm so worried that I won't get it. Do you hear me? She said, I really want to get it. We worry about bad things happening. We worry about bad things happening. And worry is rooted in a fear of pain. We don't like pain, do we? So worry is just this kind of fascination with our resistance, not wanting to go down a road that would be painful. Fifth point is worry is exhausting. It's exhausting. Someone said, a day of worry is more exhausting than a day of work. Someone else said, he who fears he shall suffer already suffers what he fears. And George MacDonald, one of my favorite authors, says, it is not the cares of today, but the cares of tomorrow that weigh a person down. Worry is cunning. Worry is a cunning thing. I found myself worrying about this message for weeks before I realized that I was worrying about a message on worry. It's cunning. I I think, I mean, perhaps for some of us, it's so ingrained in our subconscious that we're not even really aware of just how cunning worry could be. Here's the pastor worrying about the message on worry. For weeks on a time, at a time, I was telling the Johnsons that yesterday. Worry is cunning. Worry steals from what is good. Thomas Jefferson said, How much pain they have cost us, the evils which have never happened. This one's even better. John Dryden. Only man clogs his happiness with care destroying what is with thoughts of what might be. Let me read that again. Only man clogs his happiness with care, destroying what is with thoughts of what may be. Eighth point, worry is absurd because we really do not know what will happen. In a certain way, it's just absurd. We don't know. And most of the times, the bad thing doesn't happen. Nine out of ten times. The thing we fear the most doesn't happen. Um, sometimes the thing that we fear happens and it turns out to be a good thing. The best example is the crucifixion of Christ. That was a terrible thing. Peter tried to stop it. And we're glad that he didn't. And finally, worry is totally futile. It's just, it's a total waste of time. It doesn't do anything. And that's kind of the, the crux of what Coach Jesus is doing with his disciples in this passage. This is smart Messiah Jesus who says this in verse 24, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life's span? If then you cannot do 
even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon looked like this. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you people of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. Which person, by worrying, could add? And Jesus is trying in a very logical way, kind of in a little bit of a kind of slapping them, throwing some cold water on their face, saying, guys, it's not going to do anything. It will not solve anything. This is a reality check. Jesus stepping into just the ultimate pragmatist, which I appreciate, and saying, it is futile. It doesn't work. And so, then, Jesus starts this passage out of love and concern like a parent for his, or her child saying, hard stuff's coming down the road. You're going to have some troubles. And he would say to every single one of us today, there is a price we pay in following Christ. It's hard enough if we don't follow Christ for those who aren't following him. For those of us who are, bad stuff will happen, right? And I'm not a fatalist, but that's called the game of life. That's why Scott Peck, the guy that wrote that book that sold millions of copies of Road Less Traveled, he probably could have just finished the first sentence and still sold five million copies, right? Life is difficult. That's the truth. However, what are the alternatives to worry? Just for the next five minutes, I'm going to give some alternatives, and and then we'll be done. You might want to write these down if you're taking notes. What are the alternatives to this thing that we find ourselves doing over and over and over again? And the first is, um, don't worry, work. Don't worry, work. There's a famous story um, about someone who was passing by St. Francis of Assisi's garden. And this passerby says to the saint, boy, you must have prayed for hours and hours and days to get such a beautiful garden. And the good saint replied, oh, I did. And then I picked up my hoe. And sometimes we tend to over-spiritualize things that are going to happen in the future. When oftentimes, we probably could just get to work. Not necessarily to control it, but just get busy. You know that when we're busy, meaning just involved in something, like even right now, um, or at work, or helping, or volunteering, or just involved in something. You know, when I do yoga, I don't worry while I'm doing yoga, or if we're working out. Have you noticed that before? Just when we're, when we're doing something, when we're working, when it's an idle time. Idle time is a devil's workshop. <laughs> That's one of those Bible verses, like cleanliness is next to godliness. But it's true. Don't worry, work. Whereas worrying is fruitless, planning and prevention and prudence can actually help us. Someone said, blessed is the person who is too busy to worry in the daytime 
and too sleepy to worry at night. Second, uh, we need to work within our circle of influence, not our circle of concern. The most powerful prayer outside of the ones in Scripture I've ever heard is the serenity prayer. And the first line of it is worth, you know, a, a, a billion dollars to anybody. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Some stuff we just can't change. And if we grasp that, if I grasp that, if we grasp that, wow, I guess I don't need to worry because there's some things I cannot change. So we need to spend our time in our circle of influence, those things that we can control versus the things that we can't. Number three is understand the true nature of God. I say true nature of God because all of us are handed kind of scripts because of you know, how, maybe how we grew up or, or, or things that have happened to us in our lives that are unfortunate. Um, but in addition to what Todd was saying last week about God being smart, it's, it's equally, I believe, if not more important to understand that he's good. And we can think he's smart, but if, if he's smart and ultimately he doesn't really care that much about how I fare in life, um, that's kind of a scary God, like an intellectual God that has it all figured out but really doesn't care about my happiness. And this is a remarkable thing that, that I found in, the, in this passage that I hadn't seen before. Verse 30 says, For all these things, and we talked about it, health, fear of death, right? For all these things, food, our coffee in the morning, right? Just the things that, to a certain extent, keep us alive and bring us a, a sense of simple pleasure. And also, to a certain extent, our things, not in a gross, hedonistic, materialistic way, but just our things that, that we have and we want to maintain in a, in a healthy way. Jesus says to them, for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. Can you believe that? Now maybe it's just me, or maybe I've just seen or heard about too many people who have taken vows of poverty and moved to outer Mongolia. God is saying he knows that you, that you want to be healthy. He knows that your physical health is of great importance to you. And he also knows that your morning coffee or your, you know, the nice food that you like, he knows that you need those, need those things. This is the NAS. I, I pull out the NAS New American Standard Version Bible. This is a translation that is, 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 is the most, is, is the closest to the original language. This, this translation here. And, and it's so interesting to me that your Father knows that you need these things. And I looked up need in the original Greek, and it means need. So think right now of those things that stress you out. And God would say to you, as a good father, he knows that you need them. That's heavy. God is not a killjoy. Finally, um, don't go against the flow. And this is the culmination of Jesus' teaching. We've heard it thousands of times. And he says, but seek his kingdom 
And these things, health, Him caring for us, will be added unto you. And that just means, you know, what does it mean, seek His kingdom? You know, that's kind of religious talk for a lot of people. Um, I think the Apostle Paul really hits it in Philippians, one of my favorite verses, when he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about or pursue those things. That's what seeking the kingdom of God means. To pursue rightness and goodness. Caring for people. Investing in quality relationships. Seeking truth wherever it could be found. Surrounding yourself with beauty and nature, perhaps. Engaging in service. Mastering virtue. Working hard. Living for today. Making each morning your masterpiece, as John Wooden famously said. That's what it means to seek the kingdom, to seek God. And when we do, all those things, those good things that we want, will be added unto you. But when you seek those things, worry and stress and obsess about the what-ifs, that's where the tension is. And Jesus wants to say, like He said to them 2,000 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, I care and your Father cares. And the way out is to seek me in goodness and truth and you will find peace. Thank you for listening. For more information about Holy Trinity Church, please visit us online at www.myholytrinitychurch.com. Dot com.